1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, we're going to start off in 1 Samuel 22 this morning. We're still in this series, Taking Action for a Better Tomorrow. And uh, because of the length of the message, I'm not going to give you the introduction. The title this morning is Getting Off Your Status Quo. And I want to begin by giving you some quotes related to getting off your status quo. What do I mean status quo? Your same old, same old. Michael Corda said one way to keep momentum going is to have constantly greater goals. W. Clement Stone wrote, no matter how carefully you plan your goals, they will never become more than pipe dreams unless you pursue them with gusto. Jeffrey Abair wrote, the most important thing about goals is having one. Ralph Waldo Emerson, of all people, wrote, we aim above the mark to hit the mark. Thomas Fuller wrote, he that would have fruit must climb the tree. Oh, my gosh. I, don't, I know this current generation doesn't want to hear about that. Amen. Jim Rohn, one of the amazing things we have been given as, human be as humans is the unquenchable desire to have dreams of a better life and the ability to establish goals to live out those dreams. Norman Vincent Peale wrote, all successful people have a goal. No one can get anywhere unless he knows where he wants to go and what he wants to be or do. Someone said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. That's true of dating, ladies. Napoleon Hill wrote, there is one quality which one must possess to win, and that is definiteness of purpose, the knowledge of what one wants, and a burning desire to possess it. And I love this quote by Norman Vincent Peale, anybody can do just about anything with himself that he really wants to and makes up his mind to do. We are all capable of greater things than we realize. Say it out loud. We are all capable of greater things than we realize. And Dr. Frederick Casey Price, hope sets your goal, but faith is the means you employ to get to your goal. Now, last Sunday we mentioned David and his mighty men. 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, 
when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. All of those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. Now, in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 4, David gave 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of silver for the building of the temple of God. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the math on all of these figures, but let me tell you how we get there. If you look up talents to tons, 3,000 talents of gold was 110 tons of gold. There's 2,000 pounds in a ton, so you have to multiply 110 times 2,000. There's 16 ounces in a pound. Then you have to multiply that times 16. The price of gold two Fridays ago was $1,671. And so David gave in gold personally to the temple building project the modern equivalent of $5 billion, $920,000. 7,000 talents of gold. The math is similar, but the price of silver two Fridays ago was $20.70. So that is $172,224. So David gave the modern equivalent of six. This is personally, personally. He gave the modern equivalent of $6 billion, $54,144,000 toward the building the temple building project. Now, in 1 Chronicles 26, 29, verses 6 and 7, David's leading families, his mighty men, those men that were in distress, they were discontented. They were in debt. But you know what they did? They made David their leader. Now, others might have followed other people, but they made David their leader. Well, they gave 3,000 talents of gold. They gave 5,000 talents of gold and 10,000 talents of silver. So when you do the math, you find out that the mighty men, the leading families gave 10, the modern equivalent of $10,159,680,000 in gold and $248,400,000 in silver. So David's men gave the modern equivalent of $10,408,000,000 $80,000 toward the building of the temple. So how is it that David and his mighty men were able to move from? And that's what I'm all about. See, Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. That's what I'm about. I don't care if you stayed home for the last three days. You got to come alive, say amen. amen. A say amen or I'm out of here. One or the other, amen. 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 Ab the abundant life is what we're preaching. Amen. Yeah, but COVID, I don't care about that. Amen. Yeah, but this, yeah, but that. No, all of that is snipe hunts and rabbit chases and a waste of time if you will focus on the Word of God, and if you will have the Word of God coming out of your mouth, you are going to get Word of God results. 
So how is it that David and his mighty men were able to move from being in distress or in debt or discontented to being able to give the modern equivalent of $16.4 billion into the temple building fund? Oh, I know. They all sought out a loser for a pastor. Is that it? Or maybe instead of going to church Wednesday nights, they all went to home group meetings, stuffed their faces with potluck dinners, sat in a circle, held hands, and sang kumbaya. Is that how they did it? Or perhaps they all took vows of poverty with their pedophilia priests. Is that how they did it? Or maybe they all became effeminate like their woke pastors. Tell your neighbor, pastor's definitely not woke. No, the only way I know of whereby you can move from being in distress or in debt or discontented to a higher place in life is twofold. You've got to partner your life together with a purpose higher than your own happiness. Isn't it interesting that in my lifetime, the so-called me generation has pursued nothing but their own happiness. And I forgot his name. He's a Belgian uh, professor of psychology. He's the one that did the interview with Dr. Robert Malone, MD, on mass formation psychosis. And the statistics he cited were just unbelievable. Pre-COVID, pre-COVID, pre-COVID. Two-thirds of all Americans said they had no meaningful relationships at all. And 75% said that they received and derived no satisfaction from their job whatsoever. So isn't it interesting that the generation that is the so-called me generation and sought nothing but their own happiness is probably the most unhappy generation that's ever lived on the planet. It can't just be about me. No, the way you pull ahead in life is you connect to a purpose in life that is greater than you, and you've got to develop what we called last Sunday success motivation, and David's men did both. So from nothing, say from nothing, David and his mighty men were able to give the modern equivalent of $16.4 billion into the temple building fund, a temple for the God who had made them rich. Listen to what I'm saying, a temple for the God who had made them rich. Now, how did they do this? Well, the men partnered together with David, the Lord's anointed, and they partnered their lives together with a purpose greater than their own happiness, a purpose greater than their own ambitions. They not only consecrated themselves to God, but they also consecrated themselves to the work of God, and they were big givers, and they thereby became wealthy men, one and all. It is the setting of goals and reaching them that builds faith into your heart and builds character into your life. Say it out loud. With God's help, I'm going to set some faith goals, and with God's help, I'm going to reach those goals. Now, it is astounding. I remember years ago when I studied this out, it is astounding how the Word of God equates success and wealth with a life lived for God. It is astounding how the Bible, the Word of God, equates success and wealth with a life lived for God. In 1 Kings 10, 
When the Queen of Sheba went to Jerusalem to visit King Solomon, she took a gift, the modern equivalent. I won't bore you with the math. She took 110 talents or 7.6 tons of gold, the modern equivalent of $406 million as a gift for Solomon. And she said to Solomon in 1 Kings 10.8, how happy your men must be. Well, of course they were happy because they were all successful and they were all wealthy. So the queen of Sheba's thank you gift to King Solomon for his wisdom was $406 million. One millionaire in the church said to me, one day he envisioned a time when I would have 50 men who were so wealthy they would each be able to give $20,000 minimum into every Christmas offering. Do you realize that 50 men giving $20,000 is a million dollars? And it wouldn't just have to be the Christmas offering. And this is what really interests me. It could be any special offering. It could be an offering for a missionary or a guest speaker. I mean, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to have a missionary guest speaker and, and pass the buckets and receive a million-dollar offering for a missionary? And, you know, we're just crazy. We'd give it to them. <laughs> I, I could tell some stories, but I'm not going to. You see, the queen of Sheba, to the queen of Sheba, the gift didn't matter. All that mattered was the wisdom. All that mattered was the anointing. You see, too many Christians have no goals. And too many Christians have never given God a reason to make them wealthy. Now, a scripture familiar to all who follow this ministry is 1 John 5, 3, and 4. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And sometimes I have people ask me, Pastor, why are you always teaching on success and money and healing and family? And the reason is that after someone gives their life to Christ, the only real ways in which Satan can attack their lives is by attacking their body, by attacking their family, or by attacking their finances. You see, it's a shame when someone comes to Christ poor, but I came to bring you good news today. Jesus had an anointing for the poor. Jesus had a ministry to the poor, and Jesus also had a message for the poor. Jesus, speaking about himself, quoted from the prophet Isaiah in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's good favor. Now, if you were going to preach good news to the prisoners, those who were bound by drugs or demons or alcohol, what could that good news message possibly be except you can be free and you don't have to be bound any longer? And that's exactly what Jesus said, freedom for the prisoners. And if you were going to bring good news to the blind, what could that good news message possibly be except you can be healed? And that's exactly what Jesus said, recovery of sight for the blind. And if you were going to bring good news to the poor, what could that good news message possibly be except you don't have to be poor anymore? And that's why we are constantly proclaiming that when you came to Christ, you walked right into the year of the Lord's good favor. Now, of course, the question would come up, Pastor, why isn't everybody walking in it? Well, 
for the exact same reason everybody's not holding church. For the exact same reason, everybody's not holding church as normal. For the exact same reason, not everybody's holding school as normal. If you don't believe it, you can't have it. I said, if you don't believe it, you can't have it. Are you hearing me? I said, if you don't believe it, you can't have it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when all of these preachers decided to do cool instead of the word of God, they robbed the people of God. Listen to what I'm saying. When all these preachers decided to do cool instead of the word of God, they robbed God's people. Because you cannot believe any further than your knowledge of the word of God. You ought to write that down. You cannot believe God any further than your knowledge of the word of God. You see, it's a shame to come to Christ poor, but it's selfish to stay poor. Say it out loud. With God's help, I'm going to set some faith goals. And with God's help, I'm going to reach those goals. When I was a boy growing up in Detroit, Michigan, we went on field trips. And we studied the lives of the great industrialists who had influenced our city. Harvey Firestone, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison. These men were all original thinkers. These men all created tens of thousands of jobs for others. And these men became fabulously wealthy. But a not-so-known-well fact is that these men were also world-class philanthropists. In other words, they were givers. The stories about great givers in American culture are legion. The Rockefeller family at least started out this way. A little-known fact is that John D. Rockefeller was a tither. And when he gave his children their allowances, he always reminded them 10% was to go to the church, 10% was to go to the bank, and the rest was theirs to use as they saw fit. Such was the training that would lead to the, that particular family into its heritage of generosity and service. A man named J.C. Penney was the department store giant. Mr. Penny started out as a tither giving the first 10% of his income to the church and using the rest to pay Uncle Sam and live on the rest. But as he progressed financially, he saw that he actually needed less and less a percentage to live on. So Mr. Penny set a goal. He decided that he would make enough money so that he could give 90% to the church and live on the 10%. So as he became more and more successful... He moved beyond the 10% mark, giving 15% and then 20% and on up the ladder. By the time Mr. Penny reached the height of his success, he was giving away 90% of the church and living on the 10%. And at, at that point, Mr. Penny said that God was blessing him so much that he could not outgive God. He said that giving <coughs> was one of the gifts God had given him whereby he could faithfully serve the kingdom of God. The same thing happened with a man named R.G. Letourneau. He started out tithing, and by the end of his life, he was living on the 10% and giving the 90% because he had so much money coming in. Now, some people would say that Mr. Penny and Mr. Letourneau were able to do all that giving because they were so wealthy. But I would say that Mr. Penny and Mr. Letourneau were so wealthy because they did all that giving. 
You see, Mr. Penny and Mr. Letourneau gave God a reason to make them wealthy. R.G. Letourneau wrote, it's all right to give God credit, but he can use cash too. After he got saved, he was so devoted to God, he wrestled with not being a minister. He felt guilty because he was a businessman. So he went to his pastor for advice. And his pastor told him, you know, Brother Letourneau, God needs businessmen as well as preachers and missionaries. R.G. Letourneau wrote, those were the words that have guided my life ever since. Many men have the same mistaken idea I had of what it means to serve the Lord. My idea was that if a man was going all out for God, he would have to be a preacher or an evangelist or a missionary or what we call a full-time Christian worker. I didn't realize that a layman could serve the Lord as well as a preacher. And that, my friends, was the turning point of his life. At that point in his life, he describes himself as being a dirt mover with a lot of debts piled up by his failure in the automobile garage business. But he determined to be a businessman, a businessman for God. And then God gave him the first of many ideas that made him rich. By 1959, after giving $10 million into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, R.G. Letourneau was still worth some $40 million. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Let me bring those $1959 up into $2,022. By 1959, after giving $476 million into the gospel, R.G. Letourneau was still worth some $1.9 billion. R.G. Letourneau wrote, you will never know what you can accomplish until you say a great big yes to the Lord. Sir John Templeton, the fabulously wealthy self-made investor, once wrote in the New York Times, the more we give away, the more we have left. Say it out loud, with God's help, I'm going to set some faith goals, and with God's help, I'm going to reach those goals. Now let me ask you a question. What if you could just do what I've done? Sue and I pioneered this church 38 years ago. And in those 38 years, we have received into this ministry over $108 million in donated income. That averages $2.8 million a year in donated income. Over the entire course of that same 38 years, this ministry has given away more than $12.4 million or more than 12% of its donated income. Now, here's what's interesting. When I was doing all this math a week ago, in 2017, that number was over 20%. But because we raised $5.2 million above and beyond to pay off Faith Christian Center and used all of that $5.2 million to pay off Faith Christian Center, it drove down the percentage of giving away and giving into missions from 20% to 12%. But now that everything's paid off, you watch, that number's going to climb. It'll be 13, 14, 15. It'll go back up over 20%. But what if someone in the church could do what I've done? And remember, you're business people, and I'm just a preacher. So obviously, you ought to be able to do more financially than I have done. What if a businessman in this church could generate $2.8 million in business? and then turn around and give God just 12% of that in income to his church. You know how much money that is? That's $330,000 a year every year. 
And what if I had just 10 men who could do that? Just 10 men. And if you men won't cooperate, then God will raise up a woman just to show you up. 10 men doing just equal to what I've averaged over these last 38 years in the ministry would increase the giving of this church by $3.3 million every year, increasing the donated income of the church by 40% a year. Isn't that great? Isn't that phenomenal? But why just 10? What if we had 100 men who could just equal what I've averaged over these 38 years? That would add $33 million a year to this church's income each and every year. And that would mean we could build phase two and phase three in one year and pay cash and have money left over. Praise the Lord. If I only had 100 men who could do what I've been doing, but let's start with 10. If I only had 10 men who could do what I've been doing, we could build phase two cash in just 48 months. You see, I say it's a shame to come into this ministry poor, but it's selfish to stay poor because God has need of your success. My message this morning is this, God has need of your success. I said God has need of your success. Let me say it one more time so hopefully it'll sink in. God has need of your success. Now I know it's hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe. But since Sue and I got married, we have given over $7.1 million into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 20.1% of our total income, stock market gains, retirement account gains, all of it, everything, 20.1%, $7.1 million. I remember when our goal was to reach $1 million in lifetime giving. Just seems like a few months ago. And then I remember when our goal was to give two and a half million dollars in a lifetime. And then I remember when our goal was, that's why you got to keep building goals up. That's why you got to have a new goal. Amen. If you don't have any goals, call the office and we'll schedule your funeral. <laughs> then I remember when our goal was to do five million dollars in lifetime giving. Well, now... Now I'm looking at $10 million. If the Lord tarries and if I'm permitted to hang around a while, I should easily be able to hit $10 million. No telling. There's no telling. There's no telling. There's no telling what your potential is. There is no telling. If, if, <laughs> if when we were newlyweds, 20 years old, living on that little seminary duplex at 4084 Merritt in Fort Worth, and if a, a Michael or Gabriel had come and they'd pulled back the curtain and let us see, we would not have not only not been here, we would have died. We would have had heart attacks and fallen out and died. I'm just saying, you cannot imagine, you cannot begin, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for them that love him. You cannot even begin to imagine how far down the road you can get if you would simply believe God and take action on the Word of God. And I'm just a preacher who read the book of Proverbs and heard the Holy Spirit himself say in 1989 to save money and save money every week and then invest it. And in 45 years of marriage, we've given over seven. Look, you might say, he bragging. Look, there's only three ways to handle this. I could... Claim the credit myself. I am so smart. Well, the problem with that is that the rug would get pulled out from under me and I'd be done. 
or I could hide it. And I could come down here in my JCPenney suit and my Timex watch and act oh so humble. But what would that make me? That would make me a hypocrite. It'd make me a faker. So I choose to not dishonor my Lord and to say God did this and all I did is I believed the good report and I took action on the good report and look what the Lord has done. And then also my job as I see it is to encourage you. Well, he wants me to tell a story, but I don't know that I have time. Someone gave me my first Rolex. It was a very modest Rolex. It was two-tone, it was stainless steel, and it wasn't even 18-karat gold. It was a limited edition uh, that they did for a promotion. It was stainless steel and 14-karat gold, and it had a, a few diamonds on the dial. Very, very modest. And we were meeting at the hotel, and I was embarrassed. I thought, man, I can't wear this Rolex. I mean, you know, we're meeting in the hotel. We don't, have, we don't even have a church to meet in. And uh, so I took it down and put it in the safe deposit box. And one morning I'm out there on that land, you know, it's wet in the morning because of the dew and I'm stomping around out there and my shoes are wet and it's uncomfortable and it's muddy. And I, man, I'm believing God, man. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm praying, man. I'm getting my hour down. I'm believing God. And apparently the Lord wasn't listening to anything I was saying because after I did one of those laps, he said to me, he said, where's the watch? And I said, well, Father, you know all things. You know it's down there in the safe deposit box. And he asked me a question that changed my life forever. He said, are you ashamed of my blessings? Changed my life forever. See, and some of y'all, look, I know you might have grown up Pentecostal, but you got to leave that behind. You know, that shake and bake, that's in the past. You just, got, you just got to leave it behind. Amen. Amen. Changed my life forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, my God. If you weren't here Wednesday night, watch it. I talk about my daddy. My daddy never said no, not one time. Not one time. I can go to him with a righteous desire. Now, you can't go to him like, you know, you want to become a Mormon and have three wives. You're not going to get a yes. But, you know, any righteous desire, I, I've never heard him say no. I have never heard my daddy say no. But that's also tied to obedience. See, you may be getting no's in prayer, well, because you've been doing no's at the offering time. See, R.G. Letourneau said that everything great begins by giving God a great big yes. Amen? Oh, and one thing you know today is we're not hypocrites. You might come in here and think, well, I'm not sure about that faith stuff. Well, one thing you know for sure, we believe it and we act like it because we have got that much money in the gospel. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you something else too. The way it works in the kingdom of God, we never missed it. Hallelujah. Now, you know, when, when our grocery budget was $10 a week, 
And then it didn't take me but a few weeks to realize we couldn't live on $10 a week, so I bumped it up to $15 a week. And, you know, being the guy, being the guy, I remember one week I told Sue, I said, I, I just don't know why you can't do a better job buying groceries. And she said, well, here, Buster, she handed me the 10 and the 5. She said, well, you see if you can do any better. So I marched right over there to the grocery store, and, man, I mean, I got me some chips, and I got me some dip, and, and I got all the stuff we'd been missing. And went back to the little duplex, and Sue said, well, this is all great, honey, but what are we going to eat? <laughs> and I never went grocery shopping again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Except when the kids were little, Sue hated it. When I, we all went grocery shopping together because me and Austin and Christina would get our own cart. And I'd because we were in the blessing of the Lord by that time. See, we were in the prosperity of God by that time. And I told him, I said, whatever you want, you put in daddy's cart and I'll make sure you get it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sue hated it. All that Cap'n Crunch and junk. Amen. And that's the phase of life I'm in. I think Father God's more of a grandpa than we know because he doesn't say no. You know, Sue and I, whatever the grandkids want, yeah. Now, now if they get all OD'd on sugar, that's fine because we send them home. <laughs> but God, lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God. You. you are wonderful. My God, my God, my God, if I could just talk 10 men into it, if I could just talk 10 men into it, everything would change for Faith Christian Center. So how do you move from being in distress or in, in debt or discontented to a higher place in life? And the answer is twofold. You've got to partner your life together with a purpose higher than your own happiness, and you've got to develop what we called last Sunday self-motivation. It is the setting of goals and reaching them that builds faith into your heart and builds character into your life. You show me this, this generation out here, all they know to do is burn stuff down and riot and loot. But they have no sense of self-worth. They have no sense of personal satisfaction. They don't have any pride in themselves. You can tell that by how they look. I'm telling you, it is setting goals and reaching them that builds faith into your heart and builds character into your life. And I'll tell you something else too. Faith is a kind of work. And so when, when people just hand you stuff in life, you don't have the character to go along with it. They did a study of lottery winners and they found out that the average lottery winner 10 years later was back where they were before they won the lottery. When you just hand people, this is why, ever, anybody ever been to a government housing project? I got my hand up. Everybody, anybody ever, man, they, they build them brand new and in two years they're falling down. Why? Because when you hand people stuff, there's no character that goes along with it and they don't take care of it because they didn't have a hand in building it. And somebody might say, you know, this faith stuff is work. Well, it is designed to be a little work. It is designed, you got to pray. You got to believe God. You got to stand against the devil. There is a kind of a work to it so that when you get there and you got the prize, you got the character to go along with it. So I know exactly and precisely what I'm saying in this message. 
that it is establishing goals and reaching goals that builds faith into your heart and character into your life. Say it out loud. I'm going to set some, with God's help, I'm going to set some faith goals. And with God's help, I'm going to reach those goals. I believe with all of my heart, if the Lord tarries, there will be people in partnership with this ministry who will become wealthy through these building projects that are ahead. The only question is, are you one of them? Are you one of them? Are you one of them? And it's not like 40 years ago when we started. You can't go down the road and find the anointing. That's, that's not, that, that's, that day's done. Very, very, very few places where you can look around and see evidence of faith with your eyes. And this is one of them. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. I want to give an opportunity for you to make a commitment and a decision for the Lord. You may have never personally and individually made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life. Now, I say personally and individually. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about joining here. I'm not talking about having your name on a roll somewhere. And I'm not talking about success and prosperity and healing right here either because faith in God doesn't begin with success and prosperity. Faith in God doesn't begin with healing. Faith in God begins by making Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life individually and personally. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So you and I have been given an awesome opportunity, and that is a great privilege by God, and that is the opportunity and privilege of making Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of our lives individually and personally. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I've never done that, but I want to this morning. I don't want to be one of those people that doesn't have a single meaning, meaningful relationship in life. I don't want to be one of those people that has dissatisfaction with my work. I, I don't want to live a dissatisfied life. I want this life more abundantly that you've been preaching about this morning. That's you this morning, wherever you are. Lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven. Anybody this morning say, Pastor, I prayed that kind of a prayer, and I meant it when I prayed it, but I hate to admit it, but it's true that I have backslidden, and I'm not living for the Lord like I once did. The Word brings good news literally on every front. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I'm not living for the Lord like I once did, but I want to make it right. I want to recommit my life, and I want to live for God every day from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can See your hand, we're going to pray. Yes, sir. How many others this morning? Anyone else? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. I want everybody in the room to stand. I want everybody in the room to stand. I want you that raised your hands for either invitation.
take your Bible in hand. Ladies, take your purse in hand. I want you to step boldly into that aisle, and I want you to join me here at the front because I want to pray with you, and I want to give you a gift. So, And then also, if you did not raise your hand for either invitation, but the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you, drawing you, I want you to make your way to the front. We're going to pray. Amen. Praise God. Father, I want you to take notice. I'm still on task. We're winning people. Hallelujah. We're praying for people. Hallelujah. We're doing the work of Jesus. Praise God. Anyone else, you're welcome to come. If I were in uh, Kenya, I'd say, Karibu, you're welcome to come. Amen. Everybody in the room, and then online, you may be watching right now or maybe later on. You can pray this prayer with us. You can believe and receive Jesus into your heart. God bless you, sir. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody in the room, let's pray the prayer. Thank you, Father God, for Jesus and his sacrifice on my behalf. And time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But today I turn my life around. And I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me, sanctify my life. And I thank you, Father God, for you are gracious and you are kind and you are forgiving and you are long-suffering. And I thank you for receiving me into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Amen. Now, I have a book I want to give you that I wrote called God's Very Own Child. If you go with Mr. Jeff Hughes, we'll get that book into your hands and get you right back in the service. Let's give God thanksgiving for that. Listen, nobody, nobody wants to learn how to lose. That comes natural. Everybody, everybody wants to learn how to win. That's what's rare. Hallelujah. And Jesus, our Lord, said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. A lot of you here this morning, you know all about that. You could stand up here, we could give you the mic, and you could talk about Satan stealing and killing and destroying. But Jesus said he came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up say, thank you, Father God. You are gracious. You are kind. You are loving. You are forgiving. You are long-suffering. You are wonderful. I praise your holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. 
If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.